Thank you, everyone. Good morning, everyone. And Merry Christmas. You know, in the, in the church year, we have the 12 days of Christmas. So you're on day three. So you'll want to rush out today before the crowds and get your, your three French hens. So uh, we have... That didn't go very, too much better than that in first service. So. And one person got it. So there's this Christmas song. Anyways, okay. So... Um, you have uh, a handout as you came in, and if you wouldn't mind to tear that in half, it, it's, it's perforated if you don't have sausage hands, um, and it has uh, information that you can uh, submit prayer requests and, and things like that. Also, let's just know who is here. We, our pastoral team, uh, prays over these every week, um, each person just by name. Even if you don't put a prayer request, someone prays for you. If you've never filled out one of these before, each time we get one of these that uh, uh, is completely filled out for someone new, or at least new to the card, we make a donation on your behalf to at least some social services. So it also does something for the community. If you prefer not to use paper, now if you have the Lakeland phone app, you can uh, pick that up right now and press that you're here, and it's just the same as filling out that card. So that's exciting um, if, you've got that, uh, if you've got that app capability. So I'm here to tell you a few things that are going on in the life of the church. So I want to tell you about a class called Listen to My Life. I took this class, oh, maybe a year, year and a half ago, and it is a wonderful class. Uh, what you do is it's going to happen on Wednesday nights, and you come and it's, you start reviewing your life, the things that have happened. You start out with just simple things like the high points and the low points of your life. And you begin to examine how God has been interacting with you in that, even, even if you didn't know it. What I got from the classes after, at the end of the five weeks, I could see some patterns of things that kind of always bring me joy and things that kind of always are kind of a downer. And so I was able to make some adjustments here for hopefully the second half of my life of, well, why don't I do more of those types of things and less of these types of things? Why don't I invest more in these type of people and maybe let these kind of people, um, you know, do bother somebody else? So anyways, uh, so, so it's a great opportunity to do that. Um, and I also was in there um, with guys very much older and very much younger and the things I learned just from hearing their story. So... Um, listen to my life. I'm talking a lot about guys because I was in an all-male version, but uh, this is not that. So anyone can take this. It'll be Wednesday nights starting January the 20th. So if you'd like to sign up for that, you fill out this card that you have here, and you check Listen to My Life and put that in the offering, and someone will send you a link to the form. Or through the Lakeland phone app. You can click and find the form and sign up for it while you're sitting right here. I highly recommend this. We're starting a difficult question series uh, in the new year, and a lot of you submitted questions about how can I know God's will for my life. Uh, this class is an excellent tool to answer that question. If you feel like you're spinning your wheels a little bit or just need some different direction for the future years, I highly recommend that. Uh, small groups also can be signed up through this card if you're interested in a men's group or a women's group. Um, you just fill this out, put this in the offering, or turn it in at the kiosk, and someone will send you more information. We have been emphasizing this last year, gathering, how to be together in the church. And small groups is a great way to do that, how to have Christian friends, spiritual friends, someone to bounce ideas off. My small group, mostly what we do anymore is we come together and go, <clears throat> okay, here's what my kids did this week. Normal or not normal? 
you know, and, and just to have somebody go, yeah, mine are doing that too, kind of you take the gun away from your head and you just go home and keep loving them and stop freaking out. That's of immense value because when I freak out, it's ugly, all right? So uh, having a small group to prevent that is a beautiful thing. Maybe you need that too if you've been freaking out over Christmas. All right, so um, I'll be back at the end of service to share some more things that are going on that will take us into the new year. So, but uh, now is the time for prayer. We had a really beautiful service Christmas Eve. I hope you got to see it. It was spectacular. Uh, Dan had a nice message in it, and he said uh, that this new year is going to bring us a lot of things, some good things, some not so good things. But our spiritual discipline will be not to rush through this new year blindly, but to stop and to notice and to see God at work. So here we are on the last Sunday of the calendar year, or on the fifth Sunday of the Christian year, um, to pray about what is to come. So let's pray together. Lord, this year you have many things for us. Lord, if they are unpleasant, if they are painful, if you see something coming which we do not, we pray for your strength and your courage. We pray you'll help us know that you are with us. And we pray that we will remember that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. Lord, if you have great joy for us in this new year, if you have the answer to our many prayers, if you see a light dawning which we do not see, we pray you'll give us the sense to notice it and appreciate it and to be grateful and to be humble and not proud and to use it as an occasion to be generous and compassionate and to bring you glory. This morning, God, we also pray for Taylor, who will bring the word. May your spirit fill his... May your spirit fill his spirit. May his words be your words. And may we ponder all these things as Mary did, treasuring them in our heart. Lord, we are ready for you to do your work in us this year. In that readiness, we now stand together and praise you. Good morning. Um, if we haven't met, uh, my name's Taylor Qualls. Um, my wife and I have been at Lakeland for about six months now, and I'm one of the interns with the youth here. Um, and I'm going to be uh, bringing us a message this morning. So uh, this morning we're talking about mercy and judgment, but what we're really talking about is the character of God. Um, uh, what kind of God is it that we serve? What kind of God is it that we love? What kind of God is it that we follow? Um, it's a really, really important question. Uh, do you follow a God who loves you infinitely? Do you follow a God who you have to be afraid of, who at any second might squash you with his heavenly foot? Um, do you follow a God who, how, how does he feel about other people? Um, how does he feel about the people you don't like so much? Uh, who God is deeply impacts all of us because who God is informs who you're becoming. We can probably, most of us in this room can agree that, you know, we believe in and follow the God uh, who's revealed in the scriptures, the God who's ultimately revealed in Jesus. But honestly, that leaves a lot of room for 
a whole lot of interpretation. Because um, the reality is you can go into the Bible and pick out the verses and, and find a God who is really, really just angry all the time. Or you could go and you could pick out certain verses and you could find a God who, who has nothing to do with that and is always loving. There's this whole spectrum and we can all kind of create any God we want. Um, but who is God? When we ask that question, I think there are two important criteria for that. What God looks like Jesus, and what God can we put our hope in? So this morning, I'm going to propose to you that God is not a monster, but that God is love. Um, And if the people that I uh, ask to help me will go ahead and come up now. Um, this morning, we're going to be taking a look at Paul's story uh, to find a God who is good, to find a God that we can put our hope in and that looks like Jesus. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw out my point right now. This is, this is it. God is interested in restoring life and making broken things whole. God is not interested in people getting what they deserve. God is, God's justice is restorative, it is not retributive, which another way to put that is God is not interested in punishing us just for the sake of punishing us. He doesn't want us to to get what we've earned. God is any kind of, God's justice is for the sake of our healing and our being made whole. So everyone give it up for all of these nice volunteers here. So we're going to go ahead and jump into the story. So you guys have uh, heard of Paul's letter to the Romans. It's in our Bible. Um, Paul, well, Paul had a problem. He, he was wanting to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, because that's what Jesus said in the Great Commission. So Paul picked the obvious end of the earth that we would all agree on, Spain. Um, Spain, Paul picked this because Spain was barbarian territory. Uh, The Romans thought of it as like they were the way out there people. They didn't speak their language. They didn't share culture. They were just like those people. So Paul was like, okay, if we're supposed to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, I'm going to take it to those people. Um, But Paul's problem was that because these people were barbarians and he was in he was a Roman citizen. He didn't share language with them. He didn't share culture with them. It was going to be really hard to bring the gospel to these people. Um, think about it like if you were trying to go bring the gospel to a tribe in Sudan, um, what would you do? You'd probably try and find some, well, you'd probably Google and maybe get some you know, language software. But Paul didn't have that option. So... Uh, you know, if you didn't have that option, you'd probably go maybe to like to a major city in the area where people might speak some English and uh, where there would be a church there and you'd ask them, hey, can you help me out? So that's, that is exactly what Paul did. Um, so Paul, right here, we have Paul. He wrote a letter and sent it with Phoebe. Where's Phoebe? We have Phoebe. Um, here we go. 
come over here, Paul, Phoebe, um, and uh, sent it to the church in Rome. And where are Romans? There we go. There are Romans. Everyone give it up for Paul, Phoebe, and the Romans. Um, so, uh, Paul was sending this letter to the Romans asking for help. But the problem was that Paul had a reputation, and it wasn't a good one. And to figure out about Paul's reputation, we need to go back to Paul's relationship with the Galatian churches. So if our, our Romans and Phoebe will kind of step aside for a second. Um, so Paul was on his way through the region of Galatia when he got sick. <laughs> And he was taken in by some people from Galatia who took care of him, and Paul shared the gospel with them. Uh, they received it, and churches started sprouting up all over the region. Uh, you know, they got really close and came to love each other. And, oh, that's nice. Um, and before Paul left, he appointed leaders. who would lead the churches, I guess that's implied, um, who would lead the churches in Galatia in his absence. So Paul kind of went on his merry way to some other missionary ventures. Uh, no, you can stay, just kind of over there maybe. That'd be per perfect. Um, and well, so everything went well from as far as we can tell for maybe like six months, year, year and a half, something like that, when entered the Judaizers. <laughs> And they came from, that's the word we have for them now, but really they were just people from the church in Jerusalem who came telling these Gentile believers that they had to get circumcised and they had to follow the Jewish law. And if you've read any of the Jewish law, that's a pretty big undertaking. Um, so... The Galatians, they were pretty new to the whole following Jesus thing, and they didn't have a Bible like we do, like a whole New Testament and all that, and they, were, they, they bit and went with it. So, except for our Galatian church leaders. They were personally trained by Paul and, and didn't buy into it all. They headed off to find Paul, which was difficult then because they didn't have cell phones. So they probably sailed across the sea, went and found Paul over there. No, no, you go to Paul. Paul didn't go to you. Um, and, and the Galatian churches didn't go with them. They didn't tell them. Come on, okay. um, so, so they told Paul about the bad news. Paul then, after spending some time with them, wrote a letter and sent it back. You may ask, why didn't Paul just go himself? If all of his friends in these churches who he cared deeply about were being deceived, why didn't he just go with them? And I think there's probably two reasons for that. One, he was probably busy, but that still doesn't seem like you know, a very good reason if all your friends are being deceived to not come. The, the other reason is probably that from what we can tell from church history and from uh, the Bible combined, Paul was not a very impressive man in person. He was not, uh, <laughs> uh, he was a lot more impressive in writing. Um, and that's why we think we have so many letters from Paul, even though at that time, like writing these giant long letters wasn't something that people did very often. 
Um, which is good to know because, you know, for those of us who aren't always the greatest with words and get a little tripped up, God still used Paul in a pretty big way, I think. Um, so, the letter comes back to the Galatian churches with the Galatian leaders. They read it to the churches, but the Judaizers are still there. And that, this is where Paul's reputation comes from. Um, you see, the Judaizers twisted Paul's words. Uh, and it's probably, honestly, not that hard, it wasn't that hard to do. Uh, Paul was kind of a firecracker. If you read the New Testament, Paul, Paul could get kind of intense. And he especially did in this Galatian letter. Um, listen to this, these couple verses right here in Galatians 6. And think about if you're trying to twist someone's words, if you're trying to get offended, and you're a Jew. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. So if you're a Jew and you're like, God has made all of these promises to our forefathers, to Abraham and Moses and everyone, and they're like, the Israel of God? Like, we're just going to throw out like everything God has done. The Israel of God? Now, I don't think that's what Paul was meaning here. I'm actually fairly certain. Otherwise, my sermon would fall apart. Um, but that's definitely what his words were twisted to mean. So these are the rumors that, that spread about Paul that they said that Paul claimed God was unfaithful to his promises to Israel. And, and that just kind of unhinges everything. If God isn't faithful to his promises, how can we trust him? And especially if you're a Jew, then God has been specifically unfaithful to his promises to you. So Paul developed a reputation as preaching a false gospel, as preaching totally something wrong. So you can see now why Paul would, and if we can have our Phoebe back, would want to send, and now back the other way, um, this letter to the Romans with Phoebe, his co-worker, because, one, he needed to ask for help. But if he was going to ask for help, he had to, like, he had a lot of explaining to do because he knew they probably didn't think he was the greatest. So he sent over this letter to be like, no, here's who I really am and here's what I'm really about. And also to help them with a division from the Jews and Gentiles in their church. Everybody give a hand for everyone. You guys can sit down. So we're not going to be covering all of Romans. That would take a while. Um, but we are gonna, we're going to zone in on Romans 11. Um, this is where I think Paul makes his great defense of God's faithfulness. Uh, I do want to throw out here really quick on a side note. Romans 9 through 10. That used to freak me out. That was the passage where I always read it as like, huh, so God, like, he likes some of us, and some of us, he's just like, yeah, whatever, and good luck. Hopefully you're in the good group. Um, and yeah, that scared me. I think that should be scared. Um, but God, God's not like that. And I think if you read this whole, not Romans 9 through 11 is one big thought. It's, if you read it, it's all very clearly just one thought into another. And 11 caps off this 
stream of thought that Paul takes in Romans 9 through 11. Go read it after today, and I think you'll find that that passage reads really differently. Um, So in Romans 11, Paul comes in, and he's talking to the Gentiles. Because in the, Gentile, in the church in Rome, there was a, a st- like splat division between Jews and Gentiles. They're meeting in different places, and there were way more Gentiles than there were Jews in the church. And the Gentiles were kind of letting it go to their head and being jerks about it. So Paul is like, hey, you're here because of mercy. Don't start thinking you're something extra special, that you're better than anyone else, because you're here because of mercy. And then he, said, he reveals a mystery to them. And if you'll follow along on 11, in chapter 11, 25. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion, He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience... So they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. What's Paul saying here? God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all? That seems a little too good to be true. Um, I've studied this passage a lot. I even, as I went to write this sermon, I went and reread that to check for loopholes. I checked the Greek and I checked all of that. And I can't find any. Could God really be interested in showing mercy to everyone? Um... In order to get at exactly what Paul's getting at here, I'm going to need the three people that I talked to about coming up one more time. If you'll come up really quick. We're going to need to look at what Paul, what the Jewish people, the common Jewish thought about the end of the age, or what we talk about as the end of time, the way they thought about that. Um, so, in Jewish thought, we have uh, the Messiah and we have the Gentiles, and we have the Jews. If we can get the Messiah in the middle, and then Gentiles and Jews on the other, yeah, either way, however it works, just you in the middle of them. Perfect. Okay, so we have, God, in Jewish thought, God would send the Messiah. He would come to set his people free, the Jews, and in doing so, and in overthrowing their enemies, they would set up this worldwide empire, kind of like the Roman Empire, and conquer the Gentiles. And thus, the Gentiles would be brought into Israel um, with God's reign of the Messiah over the Jews. So now, keep that in mind as we read this next passage from Paul in uh, Galatians 6. 
But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, how much more have the grace and of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many? And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's disobedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see what Paul's doing here. The Jews thought that the Gentiles would be swallowed up in the empire of the Messiah. But Paul flips it on its head. You guys will flip over your papers. God sent the Messiah in the form of Jesus, who took on sin and died for us and forgave us and loved us and recreated a new humanity where there is no longer Jew and Gentile. There's no longer us and them. There's one new humanity recreated in Christ. And he gathered us all up together and pulled us in. (laughs) All of humanity, you guys are good now. Thank you so much. All of humanity is being gathered up into the person of Jesus Christ. So that, will God be faithful to his promises to Israel? Yes. God is faithful to his promises to Israel because God is faithful to everyone. God is faithful to humanity. God has bound all men over to disobedience so he he may have mercy on all. God is utterly faithful to his promises. Now, if you look back in that passage, we get a choice. God won't force anything upon us. We can choose life or death. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who received the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? God has forgiven us. God loves us. God will not condemn us. God is not out to get us. But it'll give us a choice. If we want to choose hell now, if we want to choose hell later, if we want to choose to live in hate rather than love, if we want to choose to live in sin rather than beauty, if we want to reject God's offer of complete forgiveness, he'll let us do that, but, but he's not going to condemn us. God is not interested in punishing us. God is not going to stomp on us with his heavenly foot. God will love us and pursue us, and he will never stop pursuing us. His mercy knows no end. God will show mercy to all. So how do you see God? Because if you let this message of the mercy of God, a God who never stops loving you, and is not interested in you getting what you deserve, 
seep into your heart, I think you'll find it'll change you. I think you will see yourself differently. Maybe you'll stop being so hard on yourself. Maybe you'll find that you can love deeper than you thought you could and that you're set free from fear because if God's not out to get you and if God will love you through all time and eternity regardless of what decisions you make, what is there to fear? And it also, it changes the way that you start to see the other the person that you don't quite get, the person, whether that's a people group or that's somebody that you don't really like or it's yourself. You'll start to realize that we are all loved infinitely by a God whose mercy knows no end. That he will continue to love us through all time. He will continue to love us. He will continue to love Muslims and atheists and gays and terrorists and bigots and conservatives and liberals and Jews, and Nazis, and you, and me, and on, and on, and on. He'll keep loving us all. We're all bound together by the love of Christ, and there is no us and them. There is no other. There's one humanity redeemed and loved by Christ. Choose the way of life. So now we'll come to the Lord's table. And uh, this means many different things, if the servers don't mind to come up. This, this means so many different things. But today we're going to come to the Lord's table and receive mercy and forgiveness and grace so that we can be God's mercy and forgiveness and grace to those around us. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in just a moment, we're going to come up to the front and you'll tear off a piece of the bread and you'll dip it in the cup. If you don't feel like coming up, uh, if you're not sure if this is for you or if you are just, you know, got a broken leg or something like that, no one's going to judge anyone from not coming up. But if you want to participate and accept in and accept the boundless mercy of God, love that knows no end, then feel free to come. Let's pray the prayer that our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from the evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Let us stand together in, in, a, in the expectation of what God is going to do in this coming year. And let us say this blessing over one another. 
May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing. Wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again. In the name of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.